Hey everybody, this is Corey Minton from the Big Data Beard team, and I wanted to let you know that this episode is one of the episodes we recorded while attending the Disney Data and Analytics Conference in August of 2018. If you didn't have a chance to attend this conference, then I highly encourage you stay tuned to the Big Data Beard in the months ahead as we give you a way to attend next year's amazing, most magical conference in data, the Disney Data Analytics Conference. Enjoy the show. You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. The Big Data Beard podcast has had a lot of industry leaders and practitioners in the world of analytics and AI. We've had founders, developers, engineers, and C-level guests from some of the industry's leading companies join us to talk about what they and their organizations are doing in the world of big data. What we haven't had on the show before is anyone from the academic side, until today. Our guest today, Dr. Stephen Thomas, is a professor at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University in Ontario, Canada. He is the director of both the Master of Management and Analytics degree, as well as the Master of Management and AI degree. Stephen teaches numerous courses from machine learning and AI to natural language processing, In addition, Stephen has authored a number of publications around computer science, software engineering, and data analytics. We are really excited to have Stephen join us today to provide some of his insights into AI and analytics, as well as talk about what the academia world is doing to develop the next generation of AI talent. Do us a favor, just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, what you do, and kind of what you focus on. Yeah, so I work at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. And I am the director of two master's programs there. One is on analytics and one is on AI. I also teach in both both of the programs in big data, machine learning, and text analytics. That's really cool. How long have you been with uh, Queen's University? Uh, About five years now. So... I started off in operations research at Raytheon Missile Systems down in Tucson, Arizona, and then I went and did my PhD in computer science at Queens, and then I did a couple startups, Um, and then while I was doing the startups, I started teaching at Queens at Smith School of Business, and that kind of ramped up, and now that's my full-time gig. Oh, really cool. So the Masters of Management and Analytics has been around for a little bit now, right? That's right. But the new one that's just coming out or has just came out within the Smith College of Business is this Masters of Management AI. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, to really understand that, let me talk a little bit about the analytics degree. So that's been going on for about five years. And we started at a small class size of about 50 students. And since then, it's grown. Um, you know, we kind of invented the the idea of an MMA degree, but now three other schools offer the exact same degree. Um, so people are starting to recognize the title, kind of like an MBA, except it's for analytics. Um, and so now we're graduating 220 students a year in that program. And we have a really good board, uh, advisory board for that program. And at our meeting last November, they said the MMA is great, keep doing it. But what we're starting to see is Um, a shortage of managers who understand AI specifically. So we think you guys should launch a program very similar to the MMA, but focusing more on AI. 
So that's where we uh, got the original idea, and it's been uh, pedal to the metal since then. And is this MMAI? MMAI. MMAI. Right. And you talked a little bit about managers and having to uh, fill the void with this skill set within the management uh, world. Is that who you're targeting or who are you targeting for this, this degree and this program? Yeah, so it's somewhere between a uh, master's of science in computer science and an MBA. So we're not we're right in the middle. We, we're not trying to build programmers, developers who are going to write a bunch of C++ and Python code. We're also not building MBAs who can, um, you know, just kind of shuffle around some of the words, but not really understand it. We're, we're building, we're building a student. We're, we're training students to understand the models, do some coding, uh, do the analytics themselves, but more importantly, see how that fits into the business strategy, uh, how to actually implement the change, how to communicate it to executives and to technical uh, workers. So we're trying to fill the gap between the tech workforce and the executives. So we see that, um, you know, over the last, call it two to three years, the the terms uh, analytics, big data, AI, they've, they've almost, the lines have grayed between them, right? And, and it's hard oftentimes for... You know anybody that's in the field or looking from the into the field from the outside, it's hard to understand the difference between those. those. And so I feel like a lot of times people use AI interchangeably. That it's basically just the next evolution of analytics. Is that the same thing with the program? Like, are the programs almost identical? That they're they're pretty similar, or is there is there really differences between your M your masters in analytics versus the masters in AI? That's a great question, and that's the. F- Something I've thought a lot about and some something that potential students ask when they call us, first thing they ask is what's the difference between the programs? In my mind, analytics is a process to turn data into decisions. And in that process, you have a lot of tools at your disposal. Simple statistics, visualization, optimization, uh, simulations, all kinds of stuff. Another new tool at their disposal are AI techniques, and in particular, machine learning. So supervised machine learning, unsupervised reinforcement learning, all of these can be used during the analytics process. So the difference between the two programs is the MMA is a a broader, more general degree where they're going to learn about simulation, optimization, big data, um, all these things, and a little bit of AI. Where the MMAI degree is... Uh, more focus on just the machine learning parts and how that how to use those effectively in the analytics process. So they they learn less about simulation, optimization, visualization, big data, but they learn more about the internal workings of the supervised machine learning model, for example. Oh, okay. So, and I think one of the the important parts here is especially with within the management function, being able to have that that understanding and foundation within this whole world helps you make better decisions and be a better leader. So you really do need to have some of that technical acumen skill still. What, what are you seeing as far as like the, the current or the enrollment or the anticipated enrollment for current managers, aspiring managers, kind of what's that mix? Yeah. So yeah, we've done the analytics on that. Um, so we have about a 50, 50 split actually. Um, amazingly about, of, of managers who have had eight years or more experience managing people and the other 50% are younger, a little bit more technical, not as much management experience, but want to go that direction. And does this uh, degree have management-related courses also woven into it, not just some of the AI? Yeah, exactly. So it's a business school. So we have an intro to management course. We have a marketing analytics course, financial analytics, AI, 
Um, so they, they learn the biz, different business functions. Uh, about half the courses are more raw technical courses and about half are more business courses or how to apply what you learned to this business function or to this industry. There's also a capstone project where they go and work with a partner company of ours for four months and do a whole project from start to finish, um, the business side and the tech side. So one of the things I've been seeing, and, and even uh, at this Disney Analytics Conference, it, it we see is this uh, this blending of the social sciences and big data and AI. I mean, we heard Stephen Dubner talk about you know how it's data is so critically important, but that what we're trying to do with analytics is incentivize some action. So many times, right? That's a lot of what we're trying to do. So I'm curious, as a business school, is there? Do you see in the future more of a cross study? potential for like people to understand the the scientific process and even understand some of the psychology that goes into incentivization using these big data technologies? Yeah, that's, um, that's an interesting point. I, I think you're right. I th- because, you know, you can have the data, you can have the models make predictions, but I think at the end of the day, you need a human to interpret those predictions or, or, and decide whether it's good enough or whether you want to dive deeper. So, yes, we do have some researchers in consumer behavior, for example, within the school. And I think the more we integrate you know, the, the heavy tech side, the strategy side and consumer behavior side, the better overall it's going to be. Uh, yeah. And, and so what are some of the technologies that you're using within this program for some more of the technical aspects of the program? Are you using specific technologies or tools to train? Uh, well, so that's up to each individual instructor. But for example, I use R in our studio. We have a, a little node, a little six node cluster. Um, and we have our studio, we have SAS via, we have Jupyter Notebooks. And so the students get access to that. Other other professors use Python, you know, in Jupyter. Um, in the big data course, we use Spark. So we have a little Spark cluster going. Um, we're trying to partner with uh, an Azure or an AWS or something like that. So far, um, there's been a lot of red tape. Uh, so yeah. we kind of built our own. But yeah, so for programming, it's mostly R, Python, a little bit of SAS in there as well. And for infrastructure, it's... Um, R Studio, Jupiter Hub, Sasvia. So, where can people go to, to learn more about this course and get more information and hopefully apply? Yeah, our website has all the information. Smith School of Business at Queen's University. Uh, we don't have any application deadlines. It's more first come, first serve. Um, the MMAI program starts every September. In fact, we're launching the first cohort in one week from today, September 4th. And the MMA has two starting dates one in January, one in June. And there are year-long courses. There are year-long uh, programs. 12-month programs uh, while you work, but full-time. So they're offered nights and weekends in Toronto. And most students continue to work while they take the program, although we tell them to expect a good 30 extra hours a, a week of work. So in addition to talking about the program, you're also here at Disney to give a session. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what you're going to be speaking about? Yeah, so my talk is titled AI and Analytics for Business, and the goal of the talk is kind of twofold. One is to describe the difference between analytics and AI, AI, kind of like what we just did now. And then the second is just to provide a lot of real-world use case examples of companies who have used AI in their analytics process 
and what it meant to them on, on the bottom line. So I want to I want to jump in and ask because we we talked about that the terms are are interchangeable, but I, I wanted maybe if you could share that the your view or your definition of the differences between not between big data, but between AI, machine learning, and deep learning. Those three seem to be used very interchangeably, and I don't think that's accurate. And I was wondering from your perspective if you would share your definition of how you classify one versus the other. Yeah, that's a great question. So to me, AI is the umbrella term with very loose, slippery boundaries. Uh, people, especially marketers, can say anything's AI. <laughs> Not uh, marketers. They'd never do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. We, Microsoft Excel now with AI has a sum function. <laughs> For $1,000 more. <laughs> no, so AI is the, the overall umbrella term. And to me, all it means is... Um, there's data being used to build models to make decisions as opposed to human programmers typing out a bunch of if-then-else statements. So that's AI. Machine learning, well, let me back up. AI encompasses a lot of broad disciplines like robotics, knowledge representation, natural language processing, um, automation and control, but also machine learning. So machine learning is one piece of AI. And the machine learning um, is is where is what I was just describing as AI. So I, I think I fuzzied the water a little bit. Machine learning is when a program is written, quote unquote, automatically by learning patterns from data, as opposed to a human typing out if it then else statements. AI, I guess. L let me amend that uh, definition. AI is any time a program tries to emulate human behavior or do something a human would want to do. So that includes building a robot to go into a fire and put it out. You know, any, anything like that. Where machine learning is, it's based on data. And then deep learning is a subset of machine learning. Um, and and the, the lines are, are fuzzy there as well, but basically I view it as supervised learning, that you have tr historical labeled training data, and you're using neural networks. Neural network is just a type of learning algorithm. And in particular, if your neural network has a lot of layers, you say it's a deep neural network. And it's very computationally expensive to train these models. So that's why it's kind of special. So people just call it deep learning, but really it's supervised learning with a neural network that has many layers. And that neural network, is that a way of allowing the machine to abstract the features that you need, whereas with machine learning, you, you have to do more feature engineering, right? You have to actually determine what are the features I'm going to apply to my model. So that neural network is the gives that the machine the ability to do that. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. So yeah, with the neural network, one of the, the great pieces or features of that model is exactly right, what you just said. You have to do less feature engineering. You just kind of throw it all the raw data and given enough training data, enough uh, layers and enough neurons, it will find uh, kind of its own features underneath the hood. Whereas with a traditional decision tree or k-nearest neighbors model, a human being spends a lot of time carefully calculating features and doing engineering up front before training the model. Now that's changing a little bit with auto ML techniques that you might have heard on heard about as well. But um, basically, neural network does allow a little bit more. Uh, uh, or it handles raw data a little bit better. So awesome. And so auto ML, that's not something that I'm too familiar with. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Yes. Yeah, so traditionally humans, um, 
have spent a lot of time up front on the data cleaning feature engineering aspect. So, you know, you have a uh, date of birth, let's say on your customers, but you, what you really want is age. So you create a new column, which is just now minus date of birth, you know, something like that. Um, and this is a very expensive, laborious process. I've done it a lot in my life where you engineer a feature, you train the model, you check how well it did, you get some accuracy score, you know, 72%. You spend a couple more days, you get it up to 74%, you know, whatever. It's not scientific. It's a lot of guesswork, a lot of trial and error, test and learn. Um, AutoML basically just automates that process by trying a million things for you and telling you which one works best. Basically, it'll. I don't want to minimize it because it's very clever, but it'll just engineer a million features, just kind of try a bunch of random features. Some of them are stupid. Some of them work really well. And so it just does that all night while you're sleeping. And then when you wake up, it says, okay, these features work really well. And the best performance I got was 78%. So auto ML tools feel like, well, one is it, it, you could argue maybe it's creating like citizen data scientists where it's making the, the ML process that has made, you know, that's can be challenging, obviously, as you've, you've well stated and you have experience dealing with, uh, would you argue that it, that's, that's even more of the reason why it's important for, uh, managers to have and business stakeholders have context of how that process, even though it's being automated, but understanding the, the how it's being automated and the covers and what it is. Would you say that that's, that's why it's so important for managers to understand this AI world? Because it feels like there's, we may have fewer people interacting, fewer data scientists for automating that process. It feels like managers are going to be handed new tools that are going to be harder to make sense of. Exactly. Yes. So you may, a manager who doesn't really understand how the models are working, they they really only have a choice to accept the decision or the model's prediction or reject it with no understanding of how it came to be or whether it's good enough or we could do better. You know, that's what that's partly why the program exists. Um, and yeah, as to whether data scientists will disappear thanks to AutoML, maybe a little bit, but I think that data scientists are just going to spend their time doing more interesting work or doing more work in the same amount of time. But I don't, I don't think auto ML will replace very many humans. It'll just make humans jobs better. So I want to get back to your session and I know you talked about in your session, you tell some success stories and different stories of how customers are using AI for good. What's your favorite story that you're going to talk about? Can you give us a preview? Yeah, one I really like is um, in Singapore, there's this hospital and they have this ICU unit or an ICU unit for infants, basically. And what they saw was, you know, if an infant in the NICU gets the flu, it's almost always devastating. Um, and by the time the doctors can detect symptoms of the flu, it's too late. Uh, but what they realized they had is they had all this biometric sensor data on these patients uh, while they're still uh, still alive. So, you know, things like temperature, heart rate, uh, pulse, you know, all this stuff. Um, and they also know which patients ended up getting the flu and which ones did not. So they had this amazing historical labeled training data. Um, so what they did is they built a model to predict whether someone is going to get the flu in the next 24 hours or not, given their current biometric stats. And it worked amazingly well. But the most important part about it was it allowed enough time for the doctors to create to, to take corrective action, avoid the flu altogether, 
and keep the patients alive. So this one prediction model has saved hundreds of lives a year just at this one hospital. And uh, and that's just a feel-good story. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's a feel-good story. But I think Singapore is actually applying that to other things now. So I was there a few weeks ago. And as I walked off the plane, they actually were taking my biometric you know, data and seeing if my, you know, what my temperature was, what I, and that might've been whether or not I was going to get the flu or bring some type of flu, like, you know, disease into, into Singapore. So that's interesting. Maybe they're using oh, it a couple of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I, Singapore, I, oh, go, go. I was just going to say Singapore is very forward looking and huge fans of analytics and AI. And I think their government's taking them in the right direction. Yeah. I, th- that's one of the things that I was, I'm hopeful for is that you said earlier that AI can, um, you know, make jobs, make humans' lives better. And I think that's the, that's the crux of it, right? If we can automate the process, this auto ML technology ideas, that's really cool because if we can speed up the time to value and automate those labor intensive functions like that, you know, data scientists, they always say like 80% of a data scientist's job is data wrangling, curation, like that data prep. If we can automate that, then we can get to more of these stories. Exactly. Uh, I wonder, like, from your perspective, like, are there other decision support areas that you think are maybe not as cool as saving babies, but like other examples that you think are are places where this, this you know, AI in business can really have big impacts? You know, the big one for business is marketing. So knowing which products to offer customers, for example, so a recommender system like Amazon has, but for every business. Uh, you know, we're just listening to the Salesforce. Um, keynote. They're talking about building that in with their Einstein AI right into Salesforce. That's that's huge. Um, another one is knowing which customers are unhappy, unsatisfied, likely to leave. So having a really good customer churn model or even a customer lifetime value model. So you know which customers are your top customers, which ones are going to spend the most. You want to incentivize them to stay. Um, so things like that. A lot around the, the marketing function. Also, you'd think, you know, when you call into a customer service for any, you know, I do it 10 times a month, it seems like, but you think they would know everything about you, uh, what last time you called was and what what products you have, but really they don't. I've worked with some call center and it's, it's a disaster. <laughs> Data silos, they don't have a common customer ID with the rest of the business, whatever. But that's another, and a lot of that's not even AI or analytics, that's just data integration. But adding, having a customer 360 view when someone calls in, in addition to a little bit of analytics and AI, like uh, you know the probability of leaving if they don't have this issue resolved today, or the sentiment of their last five calls on average, you know things like this, or the prob- probability that they'll accept an offer that you're about to give them, that a huge game changer. Yeah. Um, so you talked about the data silos and you know, getting all your data so you can actually apply it to your AI models. Do you see that being the biggest challenge and roadblock for organizations? At the moment, yes, that's, that is by far one of the biggest challenges because we have, we'll have a meeting, initial meeting. We work with a lot of industry partners and we'll go on on the whiteboard and come up with a brilliant solution. And then six months later, despite a lot of heroic efforts by a lot of people, we haven't made any progress. Why? Because silos usernames, VPN access, customer no shared key between the tables, uh, can't access that data in, in its raw form, only in aggregate form. You know, 
simple things like that that have been around for 30 years they still exist unfortunately so that's if if that could magically go away then then companies could start adopting machine learning ai techniques much much faster yeah and and we see organizations can't go from 0 to 60 overnight they they can't just go from their current data warehouse you know analytics strategy to being able to do these advanced analytics there there actually is a gradual you know life cycle maturity cycle that you have to go through and do you see as, as part of your your course even you know how do you teach that to the aspiring or will be managers so they can help lead their organizations through this yes and you know a lot of that is a, a human problem mm-hmm. so you know you can have your IT team have the grand vision of a you know enterprise data lake uh, running hadoop or you know whatever you want and it it makes so much sense both technically and from a business point of view to invest heavily in that right now but then you go try to get funding from a senior vp who doesn't understand analytics or data that well and they think ah oh, that's a big investment everything's working fine as is let's just hire some more programmers and and just patch it up and it'll work so that's kind of one of the the one of the benefits of getting this cross between a, a management degree and an analytics degree is that you can influence change at the upper level because until you get change at the at the senior leadership of the company or until you get support i should say and passion from them it's not actually going to happen and you're going to end up with half a data lake that nobody uses so now you have two systems you got your enterprise data warehouse that you've had for 30 years half a data lake and everyone's even more confused than when they started. Yeah, I think it's understanding as well. Um most of the CEOs out there and CIOs are saying AI, AI this, machine learning. I think the number one buzzword of 2017 was actually AI for the first time in four years. It's normally been the cloud. So we're seeing CEOs mention AI a lot in, you know, their financial uh, earnings and their comments during these quarterly reports. that's the passion that's at least acknowledging that this is around and to your point it's a buzzword still and we're in that buzzword phase i think it's the translation to leadership at the senior level to action all the way down through the organization that's still that major roadblock in organizations being successful exactly i mean it's easy to say we're doing ai in the cloud with our big data <laughs> <laughs> but yeah very few uh c levels actually know what any of that means So I'm I'm curious because one of the things that we hear is like anything that goes through this 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 hype cycle where you get to this you know it's it's crazy hyped and everybody talks about it and there's this trough of disillusionment where we're no longer excited about it because we got excited and we didn't see any return and many industry analysts talk about the importance of of big data and now AI being successful is having well defined use cases and one of the challenges i see and i'm curious about how your program may help is is helping managers bridge the gap between understanding what can be done and what should be done and how do you prioritize those projects cuz i see i see managers leaders and many organizations struggling with that that use case definition and as you said it is a people problem but you only have so many people so much time and so much tech how are how are you how are you guys helping organizations identify those use cases both as the university but also as this program right yeah that's a, that's a great point so throughout the program we we try to instill the mindset of not shooting for the moon and taking a more realistic and practical 
approach. So finding a process, for example, that is repetitive, there's a lot of data, and a machine, you, a machine can do it well. Start with that. Don't, don't redefine your entire business model and just put AI-powered whatever, because um, that, that's never going to work. Um, also, just to build on, build on small successes, because each small success means that you've integrated some databases together, and it means you've uh, established a team that can actually do this. And it means that you can actually point to something to senior leadership of, you know, look, we saved two million bucks last year. And so not only are you, are you getting momentum technically, but also um, from a leadership and um, kind of from person, person or human level, they'll say, yeah, this, this can work. So that is great advice is to just not, um, to, to focus, to have well-defined use cases and to, um, and to succeed and actually finish the projects. Yeah, that's always important as well. Um, so we, we talked about this, you know, there's this data science, this skills gap right now. You know, a lot of people want to do machine learning and AI. Very few skilled data scientists are out there. I know your course is helping bridge the gap from a management perspective. What do you think, you know, high schools, middle schools, where do you think we need to start developing some type of curriculum to help, you know, fill in that void between the, uh, the skills gap and the, the want to do AI and ML? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, a lot of students fear math and by proxy computer science. And I think that's a shame because they both can be fun. Um, even if you're not a nerd, you know, even if you're a, a jock or a chess player or a musician, musician, and I think that's what needs to change is kind of this, uh, this fear. Now, how to change that? I don't know if I'm the best person to speak to that, but I think um, a lot of math professors take a very mechanical approach of how to solve a formula or, you know, they don't actually tell you what you can do with math. Math is really just a tool to solve problems. So I, I think we are making some progress with some very innovative apps and games to kind of expose students at a younger age. I don't know if that'll have a, you know, actually move the needle at all, but hopefully it will. Also, yeah, it's just kind of how I think middle school and high school teachers in math approach teaching math. So it's, it's almost like they need that. Uh, we always see, and you know, and we're talking to enterprises. And if you're trying to, if you're trying to sell a technology and get somebody to buy into, or a project, you almost always start with like the art of the possible, right? You get right. people excited about the vision. So maybe that's an idea. Maybe we we need to start teaching teachers that early in education. You give kids this art of the possible education, like look what could be done. I love right. that idea. That's a, yeah. that's a great idea. And get them excited about what they can do 10, 15 years down the road and yeah. then back them into it. Uh, or just start showing them some of the paychecks even. Maybe that might <laughs> help as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just get away from worksheets doing long division. A lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment... We like to call rapid fire. Pew, pew. What year do you think Skynet will go online? 2200. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Uh, what is the last great book that you read that you'd recommend to us? I just read uh, <laughs> um, The Unofficial Guide to Disney 2017. Oh. It, the writers are amazing, actually. 
Excellent. No, right. more serious answer. Uh, I don't know if you know Tom Davenport. He's a big analytics guy. Uh, he wrote uh, a book called Big Data at Work. Okay. Just read it. The, it's a couple years old, and I'm ashamed that I haven't read it till now, but it was great. Okay, excellent. Uh, what genre of music are you currently jamming to? I like electronica. Electronica, excellent. Uh, what piece of technology is currently making your life worse? Worse, this is a good one. Any any time a technology makes my life worse, I get rid of it. So nothing's really uh, good. making That's my life That's a good rule of thumb. So get, stay lean. Okay. I would uh, say a lack of a good um, scheduling app to uh, help me, you know, get, schedule a meeting with somebody it is, that takes way too long it is it is i agree 100 percent. what is your personal uh biggest money pit right now my wife <laughs> i hope she's not listening are, are you going anywhere really interesting soon i'm going to um uh the bay area to talk about the new program in Excellent. a couple of months love the bay uh, now, fun one for because we're at uh, the Disney Data Analytics Conference. We wanted to ask you, what is your favorite Disney character? C-3PO. Oh, good choice. All right. Now, uh, where can we find you on social media? I have a GitHub page, Step Tom. I have a LinkedIn page. Uh, I, don't, I don't use Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at all. I used to, but I spent way too much time. And like I said, if something's not working for me, I get rid of it. <laughs> needed to focus. That's excellent. Well, hey, it's been super great to have you on. We appreciate you joining us here at the uh, Disney Data Analytics Conference, and we'll make sure everybody is able to find you and the uh, the awesome things that Queens is doing uh, to advance AI. So thank you for being on the Big Data Beard Podcast. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. If you're a podcast, chances are you like big data and you like to learn. Well, we do too. And that's why we've partnered with O'Reilly Media. As a community partner for their incredible strata data and artificial intelligence conferences that are taking place around the world. If you would like a 20% discount on these conferences, simply use the promo code PCBEARD at checkout, or you can click the link in our show notes. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard Podcast. 